0: (laughs) All right, well, Merry Christmas. I hope you all had a good one. I want to thank you all for coming out this morning. Apparently, uh, your classmates are still... um,
1: Slacking. They're slacking.
0: I wasn't going to say that. They're still partying.
1: (laughs) Still partying. Yeah, so
0: anyway, where are we at today? This is going to be Session 5, The Gospel Lived. Believers are to, wow, how did I miss that? Right. <laughs> reflect, it's supposed to say reflect, yeah. Christ-like character in their daily lives. So
2: were you partying?
0: <laughs> no, that is straight up a typo because the F is uh, the index finger and the R is the index finger. And, uh, yeah. And uh, We'll be in Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 17. I think we've got one more lesson in Colossians and then I think we've got two lessons or three lessons in Philemon and then we'll start our new unit. So we've got a couple more weeks left in this unit and then we'll uh, I'm trying to think what we're doing. I think we're doing Ezekiel and Daniel through the winter or something like that. Anyway, we'll come to that in just a couple of weeks. So let's see, session five. Here we go. This is a short one, so it won't be long. Colossians chapter three, verses one to four. Somebody go ahead and read those for us.
2: Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory.
0: Okay, let me remind you, last week we finished up chapter 2, and Paul was just riding that horse um, about false teachers and dealing with legalism. He was dealing with uh, people telling... Other people, you're not really a Christian because you don't follow this guy or do this or that and all that. So he comes into chapter 3. And remember, this is written as a letter. The chapters and verses are, are something modern people have applied to it to make it easier to reference stuff. So they're not, you know, he didn't write a chapter verse. So it's a letter. So the if is saying from the previous series of thoughts... If then, if you're not, if you don't follow those um, deceitful teachers, because you've been raised with Christ and all that, so he goes into this whole thing, and what we see is that this is a new section. So we're in part of the outline of the book as we outline it. This is the living the Christian life. So now this is what we are supposed to do. Everything before was don't do, don't fall for, don't follow, don't listen. Now we're seeing, okay, you're living the Christian life, and it's a new life. So that's what we're looking at here is a new life. And he's telling us what sort of things. We're to set our minds on Christ since we are raised with him. See, the false teachers of the world, I don't care where they. if it's an occult, if it's just people claiming to be Christians, false teachers want you to set your mind on what? Them. Yourself or them. The focus is either you or somebody else. And Paul is telling us we have a new life. It's supposed to be focused in Christ anything that isn't focused in Christ is not the church so I mean new age has been around forever I mean we call it new age but it's really not new most of it is focusing on yourself and a lot of that has creeped into the church you know it's about you do you find you do it if it feels good I mean we, we've got all the commercials and all that but all that has creeped into the church And then, you know, the idea is you come to church to get recharged and energized. And, well, it's great if that happens, but it's not why we come to church. We come to church to glorify God. Um, I I just posted it on my Facebook uh, this morning. A friend of mine had sent a post. We don't go to church and worship God because it makes us feel good. A lot of people do. A lot of people show up. And that's why they get bent out of shape about the music or whatever Chris is talking about because they come to church to feel good. We worship and sing and praise God because it makes Him feel good. He wants and deserves to be worshipped. It's about Him. All these false religions, that's everything what Paul's talking about, it takes the focus off of Christ and it puts it on something else, either a system Of legalistic checkboxes you know you got to eat this not eat that do this do that you got to look this way dress this way walk this way and then you're a good Christian well now you're not looking at Christ we're supposed to follow him and he's saying this is a new life we've been saved from all that stuff and our minds are on Christ and we're raised with him because our eternal future is with God. That's what the, occult, the all the cults and, I don't know, false teachers, televangelists, their, their focus is not that we're going to be with God forever. It's about them or whatever it is that, that floats their boat. Money, as in the case of some, you know, it's all about the money. You know, we'll we'll pray for you. Send us fifty bucks and your prayer request, and we'll make sure God hears it. Yeah. Okay. Our eternal future is with God, and when we focus on that, all that other stuff—whether you've got the right size tie, or you're wearing the right colors, or you act a certain way, or sing the right songs, or you sing them in the proper right manner or whatever is irrelevant (laughs) the focus is him and Paul tells us we are already benefiting from our union with God we gain the benefit of being able to be Christ like it's not something that's just going to boom now you're Christ like someday in the future We're becoming that. That's, That's the goal right now, is to move closer and closer. That's the walk. That's why we come together here, is to rub up against each other and find out, you know what? I'm not quite right in this. Or I have wrong thoughts this way. And we begin to knock off those rough edges because we're not all at the same place in Christ. And we learn from each other, and we do that. That's why we need each other. And we're benefiting from that because we're becoming better people. Our progress is not inevitable, but in Christ, He grows us. See, humanism says that we just do it on our own. Well, the thing is, is that that's not how it works. We need the Holy Spirit in us to mold us from the inside out. Because the problem is it's in here, not out here. And so we become more Christ-like, making us better people, and it makes us more joyful. Let's face it, the closer we are to Christ, the more joyful, the more life is pleasing. It may not be easy, because the world is only interested in ease of life. That's why they seek after money and power and influence, because they're looking for an easy life. He doesn't promise us an easy life, but He promises that it will be fulfilling we've we've got this idea that fulfillment is uh the white picket fence the two-story house two and a half kids dog cat two cars in the driveway we think that's what it is but you know what it isn't there are a lot of people who have that and they're miserable fulfillment they're they're in jobs they hate too You know the kind of people I'm talking about? They absolutely hate their job, but they can't afford to change it, to leave it. Because they didn't seek what God wanted them to do. Because even the most repulsive job, if it's what God wants you to do, will be fulfilling. You'll find joy in it. It isn't about how much money you make or how much prestige your job has or however many degrees you have after your name. Miserable people. With all that stuff and people with nothing that that you know are sanitation experts or uh, you know around pick up all the trash tomorrow morning from christmas there are people that are happy that that's Mm -hmm. they're good with it other people look down and like oh man how could you possibly do that for a living every day really do you like what you're doing no but i got money and i got this and i got I run around on the trash truck and laugh at the people who are like you because you're throwing away perfectly good stuff because it's it's old or you know I replaced it with something new and uh, yeah we're already experiencing the benefits because we can be fulfilled in our lives just by doing what Christ wants us to do. Following Him gives us that. So then, begs the question: What habits or practices keep us focused on God so that we can experience this? Well, I think gathering
2: with other believers, like Sunday
1: school and stuff. Sure. Reading God's word.
0: Reading God's yeah, sure. Being connected to Him. Remember, we talked about that last week. Being plugged in, connected to the Head. Yeah. Anything else? Prayer, yeah, sure, It helps focus us on Him. Those are things we should be doing. We should be gathering together. We should meet, and not just in Sunday school or on Sunday in church. During the week, y'all call each other? Text each other?
1: Now and then. Now and then?
0: We're we're working on getting a church out so that we can be connected that'll have that. So that, you know, when there's a prayer request that somebody's got, we can put it out there and people can pray. Mm -hmm. Groups can get together, whether it's, you know, a a chat room that's this class and you all can say, hey, you know what, I'm bringing egg casserole for Sunday morning. Make sure you show up
1: or whatever. But
0: But it allows us to connect or, hey, I'm having a hard time or what is it? You know, somebody's talking about this at work. Does anybody know anything about it? Because you know, I, I I admit I'm not culturally up on all the whatever's new, and you know we get we get phone calls like that in the office all the time. Mm-hmm. Somebody will call and say, "Hey, I saw this or read this, and they want to know uh, and all that." But you know what? There's a whole lot of us in here. Not, y'all have got all different backgrounds and are in different industries and and whatnot. Um, yeah, we should be able to communicate that way with each other, and if we're not. We should be. Y'all should be talking with each other all all week long. I know we're all older and stuff. We like the phone. You know, you, you pick up the phone and call. I tell you what, the the millennials are super excited about this because, you know, they're they love the online and they, they chat all day long. When we ran the survey, it's like they, they don't like small groups. Oh, we gotta we gotta leave home and find something to do with the kids and either come to church or go to somebody's house and. And all that. I mean, those are small groups. That's how we did small groups. You do it in the middle of the week. But they're so, lives are so busy. They're like, we just chat online all the time, all week long. And, and stuff. They're probably more connected than we were with our old-fashioned small groups. Uh, I don't know. Something new. Think about it. Okay. Moving along. Get you out early today. Colossians chapter 3, 5 through 11. Somebody read this for us
1: seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all.
0: Thank you. Okay, this is a lot. And it's an interesting list, but I think our cultural bias gets in the way of really understanding what Paul is talking about. Um, We tend to focus on some of these words and not all of them, and I don't know that we understand them as they're actually because the uh, translators—they, you know how definitions drift as cultures. And generations change and you know they they translated this to English way 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 back and we've kind of just kept the same words and so as I was going through (laughs) and I was reading it and I I, I like to look at things in the Greek and see what the word is and look at the context and all that nonsense Um, I hate boring people with the Greek because it's so boring It's so dry and dusty. I I do the study for me so that I can help teach you. I want to look at definitions. Not the most fun thing, but I think some of these words have lost the meaning that Paul is trying to communicate because of our culture. As our culture has become more permissive and accepting, these words have lost their real impact Um, with it, and we don't even realize it. I I don't know if any of you have ever been through the uh, Truth Project that my brother shows, Uh, he does a class with it, of the how our worldview has been washed by secularism, and we have changed and don't even realize we've changed. Um, And so I want to go back and readdress some of these words this morning because I think it will have a greater impact on this verse by understanding them. So let's take a look at that. We'll start off with immorality. What is immorality? Define it:
1: something that's not moral.
0: Something that's not moral. The problem is in America,
1: <laughs>
0: think about it: when you guys were kids, what was immoral then is acceptable now, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The, 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 the nation doesn't blink an eye at such things. Um, I mean, it's, it's funny. I, I read a, an article on Lucille Ball when that TV show came out and they showed they had the bedroom scenes. Yeah. Um, they were always in separate beds. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know it's funny? My grandparents slept in separate beds. Because of that, and so they thought it was. It. In the rest of the world, the families sleep in whole rooms together. Mm-hmm. They're not in a separate bed. They all sleep together. Even mm-hmm. I don't know how they pull it off to have children, <laughs> but they do. Uh, but in America, that was—I mean—we were—we were very prudish. We can't show the husband and wife in the same bed. I think it was the Brady Bunch <laughs> was the first show that showed the husband and wife in the same bed together. Yeah. Which that came out in what, the early 70s? Yeah. But the morals had changed and drifted. Immorality is actually, what Paul is talking about, is any behavior which is contrary to the will of God. When Paul, When you read immorality in any of Paul's writings, He is talking about behavior contrary to the will of God, which in this case is funny then. Because God invented sex, didn't he? He put the man and woman together, didn't he? He commanded them to go and reproduce and have as many kids as you possibly can, didn't he? Mm -hmm. So having them in the same bed would not be contrary to the will of God. They're married. (laughs) That's contrary to the will of God, sleeping in separate beds. So when Paul's talking about immorality, he's talking about lying, cheating, not being nice to other people. The whole thing, we're supposed to love one another. Yeah, anything not loving to somebody else is immoral. How immoral are you? How unloving are you to other people? We're told that we're supposed to honor the government. We're supposed to respect them and their laws, right? You break the speed limit. You're committing an act of immorality. That's what Paul's saying. <laughs> do you think of yourself as an immoral person? Paul would say it so. Anytime we defy the government, anytime we do something mean to somebody else, snide comments, whatever. It's immoral. It's contrary to the will of God. Like I said, understanding these from what Paul is talking about, I think makes this have a whole different meaning as we understand this. Next one, passion. When we say passion, what are we talking about?
1: Anything
0: that you are excited about? Yep. Yep. Passion. He says, put to death, therefore, that which is earthly. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion. So something I'm excited about, I'm supposed to put that to death. The ascetic people would be all in on that, right? Those who practice asceticism. You shouldn't like anything in this world. The world is evil. Don't enjoy anything. Don't have passion, right? They, that's that that's how they view it. Mm-hmm. But that's not what Paul's talking about. The word, the Greek word used here is the Greek word for lust. The Greek word is lust. That's what the word. That's the English we would use, or should be used there. Which, when you read this in context, sexual immorality, impurity—that which is not pure—or the next one would be passion, but then lust
1: mm-hmm.
0: is all focusing on us not treating. Is that somebody not it? I don't think so. Oh, it's okay. Not focusing on something sexual that isn't belong to us. Not our spouse. I think that's e- interesting. Next word that we see is evil. What is evil? Okay, evil contrary to God's nature. What do you think Paul's talking about? What does our world say is evil? Good is evil and evil is good. Huh? Good is evil and evil is good. Good is evil and evil, yeah, you're right. We've got it all reversed. What's interesting is, is the Greek here Paul's talking about things that are worthless. The, the translators translate it to evil, but the idea is worthlessness. Something that's worthless. It's something you're wasting your time with. It has no value in terms of God. So that's, that really changes uh, the idea. Because we're talking about sexual immorality, impurity. Passion, evil desires. But it's not really evil in the sense that we think of evil. It's worthless desires. Things that what would be a worthless desire? Something that doesn't bring you closer to the Lord. Things that don't bring you closer to the Lord? Sure, that would be worthless. The world, yeah. Money, the desire for money, that's worthless. Think about it. Jesus told us, don't store up your treasures on earth where moth and rust. He considered that worthless. Same word. Worthless desires, the things of this world, the heavenly desires, that's what's valuable. Is that, is that where we got our word naughty? Huh? Is that where we got our word naughty? Lotties? Naughty, naughty, naughty! Oh, naughty! Like for nothing, for no, naughty. Maybe, could be. Uh, so let's see. What was that one? I would
2: have never gotten that from Stewart. I know.
0: I yeah, exactly.
1: I think of uh, waste of time. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. time wasters. How do we? Are we a good steward of the twenty-four hours everybody gets? You know, I, I look at that all the time. When I want to be a couch potato, oh man, I'm wasting time, you know, but I need the downtime. Well,
0: but, yeah, but downtime, getting getting rest and regenerate, isn't worthless. Yeah. Because we are human. I mean, even Jesus took time away and would step away and go off and to recharge. I mean, that, that's not worthless in that sense. But, you know, there are people that are like, you know, they spend about 40, 50 hours a week with that, you know. Binging. Bin, yeah, binging or, or whatever it is. It can be anything. I mean, there, there are people who, you know, they, they go bowling. How many hours do they spend practicing for their team or whatever? Maybe it's not totally worthless though, depending on the interactions with the people that they have. I mean, if we started a Sunday school team, that'd be a good fellowship time, right? So then, is it really worthless? That's what makes that so hard. And then it becomes this checklist thing and we slide it over this way and go, well, I don't do this. I don't waste time on that and, or this, that, or the other thing. Well, is it really wasting time? You've you got to look at it in terms of the individual's life and what Christ is doing with them or through them with the people there. It gets so complicated so quick. I, I think that's what's so wonderful about the Holy Spirit because he, he leads you and guide you to Sure. he'll let you know if it's oh, yeah. Yeah. and
2: sometimes it's right for one person but not for another
0: or even for a season
1: Yeah.
0: you know that it's right for a season of your life and not you know and a time waster later in life like I'm not a big Facebook fan I, I, it's, but now as a pastor there are people who get upset if I don't like something they posted because they'll, they'll ask or Chris the, they're like did you see my thing well, yeah did you like it did you not like did you you know you don't comment on things people get weird it's like okay so I'm fine scroll through Facebook make if comments like, like, and post like, things like, like, like. I mean I, yeah it's like okay it makes people they, they feel that they've got a connection
1: yeah
0: me I, I'm an in person kind of guy I love when people stop by in my office and sit and chat for a bit because I like face to face. I like to see faces. I read expressions and hand gestures and all that. And that communicates so much more than a text. You start putting those emojis on there. Okay, I get a smiley face. You're happy. How happy? I see your face and your, your, your face is cracking in half. You're really happy, right? <laughs> there, there's so much. I think we lose so much communication with it, but yeah, I love when people stop by and chit chat. So if you're in the area, just slide in, you know, (laughs) I'm usually here nine to four every day. Anyway, um, okay, so there's evil. Let's move on, we got some more words. Uh, Anger, anger, what is anger? How do we define that?
2: Frustration.
0: Frustration? Displeasure. Displeasure.
2: Not getting your own way.
0: Not getting your own way. Sometimes Injustice. Injustice. Okay. Those are all ways we become angry. But what is anger? It's a God-given emotion, but it can be... Madness. Peaceful. Huh?
1: Madness.
0: Madness. Yeah, it's a God given emotion. The anger that Paul is talking about, and there's lots of kinds of anger, isn't there? Injustice, and, and, and you know, that, that uh, you're just mad. And all that. There are lots of kinds of anger, but this, this anger that he's talking about, the emotion of instant Displeasure on account of something worthless that presents itself to our view. That's what Paul's talking about. Something worthless that gives us instant displeasure. So anger is it's not something that's a long takes a long time. We're not talking about that the Lord is slow to anger. It's not that kind of anger. This is that flash, boom. You just said the worst thing in the world to me and I'm mad now. And it's something that we consider worthless that's presented to us. So an idea or a thing. Um, This is the kind of anger that he says that we need to um, put off. Anger is an emotion of instant displeasure. So there's no thought here. It's just boom, that makes me mad. We all got stuff that does that, right? People, there are certain people, they just show up and you're just ready. Yeah, just oh go away. Again, this this adds to this verse as we begin to understand what Paul's really talking about that. We've, we, we don't understand because they've chosen English words that the meanings have drifted on. What about wrath? I mean, we've got anger here. And then the next thing Paul talks about is wrath. Put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. They all sound, in, in our English words, in our understanding, those kind of all are the same thing. But they're not. Wrath. What's wrath? Would it be out of control anger? out of control anger. What you say, George? Vengeance. Vengeance. You know, it's funny. That's how we think of wrath. The, the Greek here is actually, it's violent movement, boiling up desire.
1: That's, a, that's the idea.
0: It's used for lots of things, like a pot boiling water. They would use this Greek word for. It. It's that it comes from within of us and it builds We think it's instantaneous, but that's really what anger is. Wrath is that long, boiling, oh, I can't stand this. I got to keep listening to this. And it just grows and grows. And then we act on it. That's wrath. That's the whole idea of God is slow to anger. It builds and it builds and he lets it go and he lets it go. Yeah, that's wrath. What about malice? That's not a word we use much in in English, is it? When was the last time you said malice? What is malice? The thought to do some harm. The thought to do some harm? Do someone harm. Okay. Retribution. Say it? Retribution. Retribution. It's funny because malice... Is what part of speech in English? A noun. It's a noun. In Greek, this word is a being verb. It's a state. It's the idea of something being unserviceable, incapable, morally evil, weak, ruinous. It's a state of being, it's a state of thought about. Someone, I have malice towards them. I have unserviceable <laughs> thoughts towards that person. It, it, it's a state of being. I, I'm, I'm acting in malice. It's more of a verb, but it's the state in which I'm in towards somebody else. I have this feeling. It's complicated. Um, but this is, you know... I, I want to do something. I, I, I think bad thoughts about this person or this thing. They irritate me. You've got people like that in your life? That you have dreams of doing evil to them. Try to keep my pages out in order here. All right, a couple more out of here. What about slander? We have a legal definition for slander in the United States, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, but what is slander? Saying something. False witness? Like False witness? Sure, okay. Dragging
1: somebody's name
0: through the mud. Dragging somebody's name through the mud, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny, because that this word is really bad it's false and malicious so it's not just a lie but it's a malicious lie um, about somebody else that's what paul's talking about here that we are falsely maligning somebody that's slander and paul says put it off and it, it doesn't have to be big things i mean we're not talking about necessarily dragging them in the newspaper but those little side comments we make to somebody that we're standing around because somebody else said something. Yeah, if you could see her room. You know, you ever do that about your daughter? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she has it all together and all that. If only you could see her room. <laughs> yeah, that's slander. Well, only if it's a lie. Right. If it's true, well, then it's not slander so much. But yeah, then who defines what's a neat room? You know, they're, they're, there's always that because let's face it, there are degrees. What I think is clean and neat may not be as clean and neat as somebody else thinks. Yeah, but that's slander. Okay, this is this this next one um, was amusing when I was doing this one. Obscene. What is obscene? Because Paul tells us that we're supposed to put away obscene talk. What is obscene? What are we talking about?
1: Offensive?
0: Offensive? Offensive to who?
1: You. Offensive
0: to God. Okay, you? (laughs) Morally. Morally offensive? As I was looking at this word, what is considered obscene by our standards has always been defined by the English Queen, mother. Mm-hmm. She decided what was obscene. This is the whole thing for Victoria's Secret. You couldn't talk about underwear because she said so. So they, there, there's, they, they came up with all these other names and stuff for it. Yeah, because it was defined by the queen. The queen decided what was obscene and we've kind of that's kind of been how it works. Obscene changes all the time. But that in Paul is not talking about what we think is obscene. He's talking about things that are filthy, abusive, shameful, and dishonest. If we are talking about something that's abusive, we wouldn't consider it abuse um, obscene. If somebody's talking about, uh, talking abusively to somebody else. Bullying. We don't think bullying's obscene. As, as far as Paul's concerned, that's obscene talk. Shameful talk. Guys making passes at girls. You know, the whole, the, all, all that that goes on in the workplace. I mean, nowadays you get yourself uh, sued into oblivion over it. But that was, that's shameful. Dishonest. Talking about robbing a place? That's obscene. We don't think of it that way. That's what Paul's talking about. Filthy, abusive, shameful, dishonest things. That's obscene. It's funny because, you know, that's... The queen has decided over the years that uh, most of what, we, what would be acceptable, polite conversation would probably be in the category of as obscene as far as Paul's concerned. Definitions, understanding, because uh, let's face it, English is a, is a difficult language and has a variety of meanings that drift. And as we look at these, the Greek hasn't changed. If there's anything I've learned in all the years of study, Greek is probably one of the most exact languages. It doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room for understanding. But as we translate this stuff, well, some translators are just stuck in the rut of the original translations, and they continue with those words, even though they don't necessarily carry the meaning that the author intended. They're usually not strong enough. Love is one of the worst. Because the Greeks had four words for love, and we only have one. And we define it as love through the whole of Scripture. And man, do they have vastly different meanings, those words. So some definitions that help focus us as we look at this passage. The whole concept here is to put off. Paul's giving us a list of put off things not to do anymore which is funny because the previous two chapters he spent telling us not to make checklists don't just be legalistic about it and now he's saying well don't do these things because there is definite rights and wrongs God is very black and white in terms of these sorts of things sexual immorality and all that it's either okay or it's not and let's face it, in the last few hundred years, we had we went from all of it, all sexual things are wrong and immoral and all that, to in the last 50 years, that most of it's okay and good, and it's still progressing down that path. Um, there are parts that are right, and I think that's part of our problem. We've made everything about sex wrong, immoral. I mean we go back to the Catholic Church and the the priests had to be celibate. If you're gonna be a real servant of God then you're gonna be celibate and and all that. And that's created huge problems because that was never God's plan. But we and then we didn't talk about it. We come into the Victorian era and man you didn't talk about any of that or or you know it wasn't discussed and and all that. And so nobody understood and we came we come through to the total frustration of the modern era with those old things, and so we come into the 60s and they said, you know what, we're done with it. This is normal because of we're just descendants from apes and the animals do it and nobody worries about the animals so we should just do it like the animals do it. And So it became the whole sexual revolution that if it feels good, do it. If you wanna do it, do it. Enjoy yourself and all that because we're all just animals anyway. <laughs> And now we're reaping the the, repercussions of that where we've got all these single mothers, all these children and no fathers, and all the issues that come with that. Because the system was designed that it was a husband and wife. And if we would have talked about it in the proper context instead of saying, "Ooh, no, don't talk about it at all, we could have kept it in its own way, the way it was supposed to be. And here's Paul, he's telling us, put off the immoral stuff. And now we're stuck with a society that's obsessed with what's immoral, huh? don't we?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, just look at what they allow to be shown during the Super Bowl halftime show, right? Why do they
2: bring band, marching
0: bands? <laughs> I don't know. Because, the, because it sells. It's a, watch ads on TV. I don't care what they're selling. There's always a good-looking woman in some scantily-clad outfit. It's like, what are they selling? Oh, it's toothpaste. (laughs) Breakfast cereal. I mean, it, it sells, and we accept it and all that because we didn't accept it for so long, and we didn't talk about it, and we didn't put it in its proper perspective. It should be talked about in its right perspective that it's a husband wife and all that I'll leave that to
1: Chris.
0: (laughs) He was riding that one last week. But we're supposed to put these things off. Cease practicing sinful actions. That's what Paul's saying. These things are sinful. They're horrific. This is what's wrong. Not what all these false teachers were offering. They were offering, well, if you eat this food, or you need to eat this food, or you need to listen to this, Music or this guy, or whatever. They were listening to all those. Paul says, no. These are the sinful actions. Put them off. The change needs to be renewed. Now you're probably saying, what is he talking about? Go back to the chapter. Um, and he talks about... Oh, now I've lost it. There it is. Verse 10. And have put on the new self which is being renewed. We don't follow these practices anymore because we've been changed and we're being renewed. It's a continual process. We don't arrive. Salvation comes and we're changed, but that change is continual. It needs to be renewed. Putting off all these thoughts all these thoughts, let's face it, it's hard to change our minds, isn't it? It's hard to change the practices of thoughts. There are certain people we think about and we just instantly, err, err, I can't stand that. Maybe it's the president. Maybe it's one of the members of the Senate or House. They just, they just, you're done, man. I just, mm, yeah, man, I can't stand that person. Did you see how they voted last week? And we're just, wow, put that off. We're supposed to want another them. Wow, that's hard, isn't it? Yeah. That's because it, it's constantly being renewed. Our minds need to be renewed so that we get to the point that we can sit down and pray for those people, huh? And I'm sure there are people in your family or friends, or they may have been friends at one time, that do the same thing. I mean, politicians, it's easy because we all have ones we like and don't like there are people in your life that when you see that number you're like i don't want to deal with them you just hang up you don't accept the call right to voicemail not talking to them not today yeah that's where this renewing this constant changing of our minds has to develop so that we look at it and go all right lord help me and you take the call and you talk to them and are loving yeah Knowledge is how this is renewed. Knowledge is the renewer. Paul tells us that right here. Renewing our minds. Where are we at? Uh, Verse 10. And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Who's the creator? God. 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 We're renewing into his image because we were created in his image. But it's been tarnished. And it needs to constantly be renewed, Paul says, so that we can put off and cease these sinful practices. It's a growth. It's a destination. The problem is is the road keeps extending and you don't actually get there. It's like driving to California. You're (laughs) never going to get there. You get into Kansas and it's like more road. More road, you get to Texas. More road. How much farther is it? You can't see nothing on the I know the ocean's out there somewhere and it's like three days later, you're still in Texas. And you still can see as far down the road as you could when you started, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's what this is. It's always a little farther, a little farther. We have to continue to do it. We have to continue to renew. Okay, comment or question.
1: You have four minutes.
0: I know. (laughs) I know. It's all right. We're almost done. This was the long section. All right, we'll move. Go ahead. Somebody read chapter uh, three, verses twelve through (laughs) seventeen.
2: Put on, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate, hearts, kindness. <clears throat> and be thankful.
0: Wow, that's hard. Isn't it? Paul isn't calling us to anything easy. <clears throat> oh, wait, we didn't finish the verse. Yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot to turn the slide. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, Let
2: uh, the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
0: (coughs) We put off. We have new life. We put off. And now Paul is giving us the things to put on. Loving one another put that on. Let's face it. Forgiving other people is not easy. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we trust them again. But it means we don't hold what they've done against us. Guy robs you at gunpoint. You're supposed to forgive him. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have to pay back society for his crime, does it? That's society's job. That's what a judge is for. That's why we can't be part of the prosecution. Can't we? Because we're emotionally vested. But our job is to forgive him. We forgive him and we let the government because that's the government's job Mm -hmm. to deal with injustice. That's why God gave us government to deal with that. That's the king's job, to bear the sword, to practice justice. But we, the people, the individual that was wronged are expected to forgive him. You see these parents that show up at these uh, trials for their kid, and they're, it's wrong, it's this, it's that, and they're, 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 everybody. What about the victim? The victims are supposed to forgive. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of things. Oh, the poor victim and this. And the poor victim. The victim is. They're, they're supposed to forgive. It's the judge's job to judge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and deal with whatever was done. But we're. These are hard actions. But these are the actions that we're supposed to practice. This isn't the sort of thing we want to hear. We want Justice. We want the whole... We want the parents punished too and all that. It's not our job. It's a, for us, the individual, us sitting right here in this class right now, we are called to forgive people regardless of how wrong we are because the comparison is with whom?
1: Christ. Christ.
0: Christ. Wrongly accused, wrongly beaten, whipped, tortured, punished... And executed for us we're supposed to be like him who was wrongfully you might be wrongfully robbed maybe you had it coming I don't know our job is to forgive that's hard oh that is hard being wronged by somebody else, and I use thievery because we see all the news, things on but it. But what about just somebody being mean at work? Your sister calls you and, and, and chews you out because of the Christmas present you gave your mom or whatever. I don't know. Pick something. You're supposed to forgive. Forgive them. Those little things are even harder, aren't they? Especially when it's family member or friend. And it's been going on for a long time. Maybe years. And you see them. You haven't seen them in years. And you all of a sudden have this. Here we go again. Forgive them. We're called to forgive them. Practice these actions. Being like Christ. Oh, that just is like it gets my goat. I don't want to be like him. Can't I be emperor? I want to be the emperor of Rome. Throw him to the lions. Have you heard the Caesar commercials for on the radio or TV? The, the, the oh, new Caesar oh, yeah. app? Yeah. He complains about, you know, th- that he, he talks about how it's so cool that you can gamble on your phone and all that. He's like, it's just like being there, except... When you lose to other players, you can't throw them to the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way we, that the world understands that, right? That's, that's how we think. I'm wrong. I need to get my pound of flesh. Nope. 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 It's not my job to get that. I'm supposed to forgive them. Jesus exemplified these qualities for us. It's not like, okay, here's the ideal, just do it. No, we see it in action. We see it as it's supposed to be in the most obscene manner with Christ. And then and then we have to be unified together with it. I don't get to get my girlfriends together and we all complain and talk about it and all that. No, we, we we need to all forgive. So it's not just me. I'm the wrong party, but my girlfriend has to forgive too. You can't hold the grudge for me against them because I'm forgiving them. You have to forgive them for me too. You see that? We get, we get our group together and we all, ooh, okay, I'm going to be the godly one and I'm going to say I'm forgive, but you guys hold the grudge for me. That doesn't count either. they got to forgive. Together, we forgive. Unity with other believers in forgiveness. That's tough. All right, let's take a few things with us. Because this is tough. First, we are to focus on Jesus and the life he provides provides us with. That's what we need to focus on. Him. If we're doing that, we're doing good. Secondly, we are to stop living a life characterized by sin. It doesn't mean that we don't sin. But our life isn't sinful. It's not characterized. That's not the point and purpose of our lives that we're out there sinning. We're trying to live the way we're supposed to. And lastly, we are changed as we dwell on and yield to the truths of scripture. That's what we need to be focusing on. Not me, not my hurts, not the stuff going on around me. We focus in on Scripture. We look at how Christ lived and we say, okay, I'm trying to do that. And that's what we go with. Let's close in prayer. Lord, this season shows us that how you came into this world as a lowly baby in a manger. And as we move forward, heading towards Easter in several months, we see how you lived. And as we study and pay attention to what you did and how you did it, we begin to understand just how we're supposed to live. Even to the point of forgiving those who wrong us greatly. Father, help us to live that way. In Jesus' name, amen.